Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Welcome back to Born and Raised Audio Experience. Brought to you by Onyx Hunt. And we got the man, the myth, the legend, the, well, Mr. Onyx Hunt himself. How about that? <laughs> With us today. Uh, say hello to Mr. Dylan Dowson. <laughs> hello. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I've been called a lot of things in my lifetime, but Mr. Onyx himself is not one of them. So I'll add that to the list. I, I noticed this from I've hunted with you. I've had the pleasure uh, a few different times to hunt with you. And um, it's actually you alone have changed a little bit of my perspective of hunting. Um, even the same ground that I've hunted forever, like when you're on my home turf and everything, and I know it like the back of my hand, but you were consistently had your maps out. And I'm like, why is he doing that? You know, a lot of times. And it was just <laughs> like, I've started to integrate that more. And it's like, it can save you steps. It can save you a lot of different things, even in areas that you know where exactly you are and what's there. So anyway, it's been cool. It's been awesome. No, so. that's that's really cool to hear. And honestly, like, I, I mean, I've been with Onyx for coming up on eight years now. And uh, there's been this area like where I'm from that I've hunted for the last 15 years. Like I grew up hunting it and it, like for years and years, I was like, I don't need to e-scout that. I know it like the back of my hand. I know like the glassing points and know, you know, good ways to get from A to B and so on and so forth. But uh, rewind actually like three years ago, I e-scouted one of those just kind of out of curiosity. And I think I was doing something, writing an e-scouting piece. So I was like, I'll e-scout this area that I've hunted forever and just like use that as notes. And I hunted that area like completely different that year and ended up shooting one of my best bucks on it. And it was like no BS, like not even an Onyx plug here. It was simply because I finally e-scouted it and I found so many different like, you know, just more efficient routes and different glassing points because I was actually looking at the maps. And I was like, here I thought I knew every nook and cranny and where I ended up shooting that buck that year, I had never once been in there in like 15 years of hunting it that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool and it's it's a it definitely is a i mean it's a tool for it goes both ways right there's some people that are just like that onyx has ruined everything you know what i mean as far as hunting and it's just like if you look at it that way if you look at well, life in general i guess that way yeah you can think that but dude it's been a it's been a really really good tool and um so we're going to get into all that we're going to we're going to touch on new stuff coming out for onyx uh, uh stuff that dylan can tell us about um stuff that's just come out there's a few different things some of the 3d stuff now if you guys do if you're an elite member and check out your uh new vamped 3d it's pretty rad it's it's pretty awesome but um we will get to all that first off right off the bat the most exciting probably thing that me and you want to talk about uh we just started the colorado series um and this was a hunt that we teamed up with onyx and also hunt and fool and um we just kind of got together and said, let's go to Colorado. Let's draw some, it's like a one point or two point draw, right? It wasn't terrible. Mm -hmm. And um, yep. yeah. And uh, so we went out, we just kind of 
scoured the landscape. It was a place that uh, some of the hunting fool guys had kind of been before, but we went to some new areas, checked out some stuff. And man, I, I think you're seeing that in the video, like from where we first started hunting to where we kind of ended up. Um, it was, it was pretty awesome, but uh, yeah. So what, what have you, I want to hear your take Dylan on the series of you know, so far. I, love it like reliving that is so cool to be able to do and that's one of the cool things about filming is you know obviously you guys are, are running a business on it as well but just like the the personal aspect of it just reliving those moments and stuff like those are constantly you know thoughts of mine when i when i'm thinking mule deer hunting especially planning this year and moving forward and like when's the next time i'm going back to colorado um and all those thoughts but just to be able to like rewatch that back. Um, I watched the one just yesterday where, where you shot your buck and that was like hands down the, the coolest morning of hunting last year. It was just like the camaraderie and the people and, and you said it best. And, you know, we've all kind of shared that sense, but um, just the people we were with that day and just everything, how it all came together was, was pretty epic. So I would say like for anybody listening, I don't know when this is going to go out, but two of the three uh, videos for Colorado are out right now. So probably by the time you're listening to this, like definitely go to YouTube, check them out. Like it's, uh, it, it's a cool one. It's super, super cool to watch that. This will be hopefully posted on the same day the last video comes out. So it'll be kind of cool. Sweet. If you're on this, yes, definitely look at that Colorado series, uh, born and raised outdoors and um, on YouTube. It, it was, it was just a lot of fun. It was, it was a neat camp as far as um, obviously the people that to me is just hands down the best as far as that goes. But mm -hmm. like, it was different. Like it was sub zero pretty much every day. It was a cold, cold, <laughs> Cold time. I don't know if we uh, showed that as well as we could have uh, in the video, but it wasn't warm at all. No, when I think back to that hunt, I think cold. Like that's first word that like probably epic because it was, but, but just cold. Um, when that, when the uh, wall tent stove would go out or in the mornings when you'd wake up, it was, it was pretty tough to uh, peek your face out of the canvas cutter because you were slapped in the face with some frigid ice cold air. But um yeah, I mean, it was cool. Like none of us had really, you guys hadn't been there. You've elk hunted it, but as far as mule deer, you guys hadn't been there. I hadn't been there. So for the most part, we were super green, didn't really know what to expect. And I think that added a ton of excitement. I will say for me, I won't speak for the group, but I think I can with this. I think our expectations were, were pretty high going into it. And then like one to two days into the hunt, we're like, okay, let's, let's check ourselves. Like let's, reevaluate the situation there's not going to be 180 inch deer under every rock um we struggled it quite a bit like there's e-scouting is great but there's only so much you can do um and then when you realize to go from one end of the unit to the other is like a half a day you know not half a day drive but it, it takes a ton of time it's like okay this country is big there's some people pressure um deer numbers aren't quite as high as what we thought you know we might run into so it was a it was a bit of a learning curve but once yeah. we got it figured out i think you said it best somebody said it anyways we're we're like two or three days into it and we we're just like you know heads weren't down but we're like man this is this is different than what we expected and i believe it was you but um you were like we're just gonna have to hunt it out like we're just gonna have to hunt as hard as we can like this isn't gonna come easy and we got what like four or five more days of season left at that point and i think that's that's kind of when things shifted from 
hey, we'll go bop around to this area, check it out, hopefully find a shooter buck to like, let's just do what we know how to do and, and grind it out. And it paid off. It definitely did. And I think it, it definitely helped having that, um, having the team there as far as all of us to glean off of, because it, with, with, with doing that and with like, okay, so we had Garth going out and we had Cody going out in different spots usually, you know, and, and hunting different stuff. And then Eric and uh, Steve, they were hunting different stuff. And so it was kind of cool to have all those teams in place to where it's just like, we could get a pretty good idea. Okay. This is where the deer are kind of located. And we were doing that fan out. Let's go try some smaller block, man. You know, those, those tiny blocks of, um, of public stuff that we could hunt. We were kind of doing that at first. And we kind of realized real quick that, it could have been a gold mine. You never know. I mean, you just never know. And so I was like, we realized, okay, let's get back to the big canyons. Let's get back to the burns. Let's get back to the, you know, the stuff that's, that's like, you know, mule deer country and, uh, and then just double down on that and grind it out. And that's kind of what where we ended up staking our flag kind of in the last little while. Yeah. And it, it did pay off in the long run, but it took a little while. I had, we had a lot of advice going into Colorado. Um, I had some really solid advice from um, some of the folks at hunting pool who weren't there. And it was like, especially with that third season, it's like, just wait. Like I was told several times, just wait, don't be picky. Don't get down the first few days. And it's easy to say that. And then you're there and you're waking up at four in the morning and it's negative five degrees out and you can't glass and you, it's easy to get down. But I did have that advice going into it. Just like every day will get better the end of your the last day and a half two days of your hunt is going to feel like a completely different hunt than the first three um and it's hard to like really put your mindset in that because it's like you're only there for five six seven days it's like how can tomorrow be that much better than today but it it really did like the last three days is when we had all of the action um but yeah it was it was a learning curve for me. I've hunted Montana mule deer all my life. I mean, I grew up, I cut my teeth on mule deer hunting in Eastern Montana. And I think, I also think you said that somebody said it, but you're not going to get Eastern Montana in Colorado, not at least not where we were. Yeah, no, it, you're no. And, and I was the same way you were, man. I would picture and oh yeah, we're passing up multiple bucks a day, just trying to figure out what we really want, you know, and, and it, that wasn't the case for, I mean, we did see some deer, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't the case for us uh, from where we were at. And um, it, it's, it goes back to like that whole uh, thing of that's the hunt, man. When we look back at it now, if it would have been, you know, a buck behind every rock and you're just trophy hunting and you're trying to figure out, man, should I have shot that one yesterday or whatever? It, it would have had a whole different feel to it, I think, coming off of it. And I think yeah. that has, I think that's hunting in general, right? It's like, it would have had a total different feel had it gone a different way, had it not been the grind, had it not been the way it panned out in the end, which was pretty darn amazing. Us all killing bucks and some really, really, really good bucks as well. So, I mean, it, it's, um, I, I, man, I really commend when you came into the hunt and, um, I, yeah, I never forget it because you were just like, dude, I just want everybody to be successful. I, you know, I'm here for the fun of it and everything. I'd like to kill a deer you said, but at the same time, I just want to have the good hunt with everybody. And that was, it really stuck with me. Like the selflessness of you 
of course, you killed the biggest buck of the trip, but <laughs> the selflessness of you, um, it just, it was pretty awesome to see that and to, to, to you to be happy when I shot my deer and, and uh, for everybody else, it's just like, man, just such good people, such good times. Yeah, likewise. It's hard. You know, I was talking to somebody recently about hunting partners and it's, it's hard to find people to hunt with that you really like you know, fits your hunting style. I have some of my best friends that I absolutely love. If they needed anything, I would drop what I was doing to go help them, but I'm not going to hunt with them <laughs> and, and vice versa. I've got some good hunting partners um, where it's like, you know, we might not be the closest of friends, but come September, if they need help packing out or vice versa, or, you know, they, I don't know, called in a bull and it hung up and they're just looking for some help the next day. Like, absolutely. So to, I mean, not just saying this because we work with you guys, but to work with somebody and have this uh, sort of like relationship that we do professionally and also share camp and, and have that is is pretty awesome. And it's it's fairly rare. You know, it's not um, not incredibly common. And I think that is a big testament. I've learned a lot from you guys, whether it be bear camp or, you know, down there in Colorado um you guys are some of the most selfless hunters that i've been around mm. and honestly the same as the hunt pool guys like man it was it was constantly like hey i saw this buck in here here's some uh video of the buck through my spotter yesterday does this buck interest you would you shoot that buck here here's where you know here's how i would hunt it tomorrow and you know it wasn't like man i might get this tag in a year or two and that buck's going to be two years older and he could be a really nice deer and you know, like there was no information being withheld and that, uh, that's pretty rare. So I think it was super special. No, I would totally agree with you. Garth and Cody and, and that whole clan that they had, it was pretty, they're pretty good dudes, man. Just like, Hey, go after this buck, check it out. And then they're showing us bucks and we're like, why did you not shoot that thing? You know? <laughs> so, and then they, that was their whole mentality though, man. It was just like, ah, oh, just wait, just wait. It'll get better. Just wait. Yeah, they both ended up shooting really, really good bucks. Um, it just, you know, they they were right. They'd played the game before, and that's where I think it comes around to a lot of times as far as different people actually having different uh, skills. Like, if it's Eastern Montana, I'm going with Dylan every single time and being like, okay, Dylan, what do I do? You've hunted it all your life. You know it really, really well. You know how these deer are going to react, you know, what will possibly see that day and just kind of, you know, the age class we're looking for uh, that's on the better end of the spectrum. Whereas these guys, they've mule deer hunted these kind of places all their lives. And they were, they were a wealth of knowledge by being the, the voice of reason to say, Hey, just wait guys, just wait. And it was, that was tough for us to do, man. It was tough for me to do. Cause I'm like, you know, if I'm not seeing them, I'm not, they're not here kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, why are they yep. just not, when are they going to show up? You know? So that, yeah. that, that was no, a I thing. Completely, completely agree. And I mean, that was different than I've ever hunted for mule deer in my life. I mean, I honestly, until that hunt, I haven't even really done a mountain mule deer hunt. Like mm -hmm. I live in the mountains. I live in Western Montana now, but to be honest with you, I mean, I've been out, like I I've seen some nice bucks and I'm very familiar you know, hunting the same areas for elk and other things and black bears in the spring. But as far as like a, a true mountain mule deer hunt, like that was a first for me. So I, I learned a ton and it was, it is pretty humbling because you're like, man, I think I might have this dialed, but it's like dialed in your, your way. So like, 
in a specific part of the state but when you hunt that year and you're and you're out it you're like okay i think i've got a fairly good grasp i know kind of the playbook you're constantly learning you never really get to a point where it's like oh i know everything but you throw yourself into same species different state or different part of the state and it's like man i've got a lot to learn yeah and it's the mentality i think it's the headspace of, of wanting to be able to learn right i think that's i get a ton yeah. of emails of like okay how do i go out and kill an elk well there's there's no guarantee you're going to kill an elk but you need to go out with that mindset of how can i go out and learn these elk to where i can get better at it and to where one at one point i will i will kill one you know what i mean and yeah i think that's the whole thing yep. of like social media, you know, everybody will, they kill them every, all the time and they're just holding trophies up every single picture, you know, and everything like that. And it's like, that's not, that doesn't show the back end. It doesn't show it. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I think for one, one thing too, is like, if you want it bad enough, you'll learn. Like if yeah. you want for me, like, you know, not to use a me example again, but I remember, I mean, I've hunted elk pretty much all my life, but up until probably I'd say five years ago, like I could not call at all. Like I was horrible. I would throw a, a diaphragm in my mouth and like I'd gag. I couldn't even make a sound out of it. And I went that way for a while and I killed a few bulls um, using, you know, like whatever other calls, read calls or anything else. But finally, like I was so fed up with not being able to use uh, a diaphragm that like I was like, I want it bad enough. And I just suffered all summer. Anytime I drove anywhere, I just had one in my mouth. And it's like, now it's second nature. I can throw any of them in and, and it's fine. But had I have not wanted to do that bad enough, like I still to this day would have, you know, no way. Yeah, and, and it made you a better elk hunter too. It made you because it's, it's that, it goes back to that toolbox mentality, right? Like this is mm -hmm. one more tool. It's just one more tool to have that you can, you know, that you can work off of or glean off of to end, you know, for the end goal, right? Of finally harvesting an elk. But no, I, I just, yeah, I can't express enough. It's like, it's the mentality. It's the, it's the thought process and it's just your, um, overall, um, demeanor of, of how the hunt goes, a positive attitude and keeping, keeping everybody kind of on the same page of it's going to happen. Right. I've tried to kind of, after this last year, I've kind of put that into my whole, um, toolbox, if you will, like, okay, guys, it's going to happen. It's just, you know, we just got to let this thing flesh itself out. And at some point it's going to happen, you know? So it was, it was a great, oh man, it was such a, such a good hunt. Um, let's talk about as far as just like tactical wise, what ended up being the best uh, as far as on that, on that stage of, of the mule deer hunt and what, what ended up being the, the bread and butter of, of, um, of actually finding bucks and, and shooting them yeah i think there's a few different ways we could go about that um as you said earlier sharing information off of each other even if it's just two guys in camp like you might as well split up and check different areas and you know maybe one guy goes high one goes low um you know you're you're glassing into a burn or some guys going into a different part of the the unit and like early on i i think that was really successful for us to you know kind of diversify Big share notes at the end of the day what worked well what didn't it was pretty easy like the first couple of days we're like man nothing's working well um but just kind of keep that same mentality until somebody figures something out and then use that information and intel to put yourself in a situation similar so i think we did that and then also like i really think a key one especially with your deer 
is like we figured out what was working a little bit and then we're like okay what's that elevation is it in a burn is it not and we applied that same information but we moved like i don't even know 70 miles 60 miles like it was a long ways um to a completely different area but yet we were still applying what we learned in the previous area where it's like okay here's kind of the rough elevation we're seeing deer um in a burn so let's look for kind of the same stuff over there so you know it doesn't always necessarily mean this specific drainage it's like what's working well where on the map can we study and like find an, another area to to replicate that and go check that area out as well because it might be working well in that specific spot but there might just not be the deer numbers or the the deer that you want to shoot there so you know apply that somewhere else and go check it out and not be afraid to move and quote unquote like i won't say waste but like burn a day up to go check something new out be my my thing like be be okay and this is i'm not gonna you know this is kind of the f word but be okay with failing right be okay with just being able to be like hey we did that and we did this a lot in this hunt is we did that and we crossed it off okay we got that box crossed off that's yeah if we would have went to one of those little public places that not anybody ever hunted because it's just a small little block and found a boatload of does or something that could have been a gold mine for us, you know, and just stick in that little place, wait for the, because the bucks were, you know, they were showing up. You could tell they were kind of moving around. It would, I think it would have been a matter of time before we would have probably shot a good deer off of that place, but it just, we didn't see the animals there. And so like being willing to fail, um, and it's not failure, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Like being willing to just like, okay, oh, we're not going to go back, there, you know? Yeah, I think, I really do believe that crossing areas and, and tactics off is just as valuable as finding what's working. Like it seems counterintuitive, but especially early in the hunt now, like the last part of the hunt, hopefully you're kind of keyed in and dialed in and you're, you're trying to, you know, turn up the right buck or bull or whatever that, that is. But in the beginning of the hunt, like cross areas off, I think that's a really good point of it's valuable to say, Hey, that doesn't work that southern end of the unit we don't like that it doesn't suit our like we can't glass it we can't whatever yep. there might be a lot of deer there but we're not we're not using our strengths which is like you know getting up hiking not being af afraid to go into some nasty country sitting on glass all day and like really using that to our advantage like that's i think that was kind of all of our thing is like here's what we're good at and we did we went to areas of the unit where it's like we cannot apply what we're good at here like it just it might be great but what we feel our strengths are just like it doesn't work in this area now somebody might be really good at like still hunting timber and like has has you know successfully still hunted timber for mountain mule deer and they know kind of where they bed and what they like to do maybe that area of of the specific unit is perfect for them but like the glass yeah. and stuff isn't so like what's your strengths um find areas that you can actually utilize those strengths otherwise it's just like you know we can we can all fail but we're gonna fail it basically every day that's what we do it's, it's it's the same like roosevelt hunting uh we always say like finding the darn things is the hardest part you know hunting them once you find them I, i'm not saying anything's easy and as far as uh as far as killing elk but you know finding them is the hardest part because it's so thick where we're at and it's so you know um 
dense and your bugles don't reach very far and anyway a lot of different factors but it's just like we'll cover a ton of ground just to find the darn things first and then it's like okay let's not screw this up let's actually really really concise this down and, and make an approach on this smart and so and that was the same way there just like finding the deer finding where they're at and then really just kind of keying it in to where we found them in those burns it's so fun to glass those burns and to it, it, it takes a knack. I will say Garth is pretty doggone good at it. <laughs> yeah, it it takes patience too. Like I'm t- like as an elk hunter, I'm not very patient. I would consider myself more aggressive than patient. I know some guys that kill great bulls every year, sitting wallows and doing oh, yeah. like more at the patient side of things. Like that's just not me. For mule deer, I'm really forced to like, especially down there. Like, here's your spot. It's a good area. You can glass a ton of stuff. Like there is deer here just sit your butt down and be patient and that that to me is pretty tough and even in like montana deer hunting for me a lot of it is like hiking from glassing spot to glassing spot so i'm moving constantly and i'll i'll kind of build out like a whole system where i'll look at topography and kind of map out like how can i be most efficient in this area not blow things out with my scent and you know bump things where i'm not going to get a shot so like i'll map out a whole ridge system and block out different areas to glass and so i have a plan constantly it's like i'm leaving the pickup here here's my first glassing point and along the way i'm going to stop and glass different angles into pockets and things but i might sit at a glassing point for like an hour tops and then i'm moving and constantly moving and you know it's not uncommon for me to put on 10 plus miles in a day doing that but still glassing where colorado is like hey you're gonna hike to this spot and if you're not at the spot you can't see anything so you better sit at that spot all day even if it's so foggy you can't see 10 feet in front of your face because when the fog lifts you better be there with your your optics ready and we i mean we had a couple days like that fog was definitely a factor it was definitely a factor and then a lot of different things as far as people then that you know one time we had clear up that whole thing it's like oh hey guys how's it going so let's leave here you know and so it's there i think about that still like that other edge clear over there where we didn't go where we ran to those people uh, you know you got to wonder like wow what was that over there you know i mean we did run into some people that weren't great as far as that goes yeah i thought they owned the place so we just left but it does kind of pose the question of man that could have been good over there i don't know i don't know but yeah it certainly looked good i mean it I, I've thought about that spot too. If we ever went back, I would, I would try and figure out a way to to go spend a couple of days in that country. But another really big takeaway for me, um, and I learned all, this is something I really really picked up from that trip is I am typically somebody if I glass like an entire drainage or if I glass a mountainside all day or like even the good parts of the day, morning and evening, and I don't see a shooter buck. Maybe you see twelve does and two small bucks. You're like, I kind of know what's here. Like, I, you know, there's always a chance of you, you just didn't see it at the right time or, you know, bucks cruising, moving in, but I'm kind of like, eh, let's check that stuff off and go find a different area to glass. And one thing I really picked up from Garth was just find a group of does, like watch them. Like there will be a shooter buck there eventually. And even when you shot your buck, he was like, there will be another mature deer with these does within a couple of days. So we constantly went back because at that point we figured it out, but um i mean so pretty much all of our deer that we shot like it was the same areas that we had hunted minus year buck that morning but it was the same areas we hunted and 
the bucks that we had shot nobody else had seen so it's like where did they come from they were there the whole time and it's like crazy it's, it's the same with yeah it's the same with bear hunting too like i've figured out in western montana if you're glassing a good spot there's a bear there generally you just have to pick it up but it's it's easy to glass it for an hour and be like yeah there's nothing over there and it's a timing thing right it's just like they're gonna come out at some point it's gonna happen it's just but i i, I and i see the whole thing with bears we go back to the same you've bear hunted with me and we go back to the same exact spots over and over and over and it gets gets repetitive but then that fifth time there's you know a 250 pound bear standing there you're like how in the world where has he been you know what i mean and so but yeah. i've never done that in the mule deer section like it, you're exactly right it's like it felt like we were scouring those drainages pretty well i would say like okay you know and it's just like you think the next day you go there you'd see the same group of does with the same little fork and horns and three points you know and everything but it's not it was like it was just almost like the cards the deck shuffled like every day or at night you know and you'd see those mm -hmm. big buck tracks in the snow that did that was a big tip for us like we'd find a big lone deer track and it's like okay it's night cruising you know but where's where's he gonna end up right so yeah totally yeah it was it was cool but yeah man it was just thinking back to it cold so cold <laughs> so cold it was never like miserable cold i will say it was never everybody says well it's a dry cold you know and it's like oh yeah okay sure i, I don't know if that's even a real thing but I, I was never like freezing cold but um but man if you just look like just the regular just at the temperatures alone it's the coldest hunt i've ever 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 been on in my in my life by by far you know by far but yeah for me it was like the sustained like it was you know i've definitely i've hunted montana in negative 15 degree weather like very very cold like colder than colorado was but not for seven days in a wall tent alone yeah. you know like i'm going back to a house or you know a, a camper or something of that nature like i've had a few really cold overnight or weekend trips but the sustained cold was was yeah it was there but it was cool like it adds a, a really cool element to it and it like did. you said if everything was easy and we rolled up there and it was sunny and there's a beach and a pina colada and there's big deer everywhere like it wouldn't be as memorable but too, it was a different, like, think of the money we saved on ice, man. Think of the money we saved. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything we, froze. So we, well, we, we were having to, to uh, put stuff in coolers to keep it thawed, if that makes any, any, any sense at all. Yeah, no. And just uh, jet boil. I remember at one point I had to take a saw, cut my water bottle in half because it was completely frozen. I had no water to drink. And then throw that in the jet boil and and heat it up so you could drink it so that's crazy. that's where we were yeah when you're a guy coming from the oregon coast like this i'm living at i think 37 feet elevation is where my house is now so it's a little different a little different <laughs> and Let's even get me, in. like i real quick on the elevation it was a good point because like i a lot of times in montana hunt mule deer from three thousand to four thousand feet it's so like that was a big adjustment too like you think of of mountains like even in montana there's some pretty good mule deer stuff like three to five thousand feet we were like nine ten like much much different and it was it took a while to get acclimated i remember the first hike we did like i mean we it was still probably 600 vertical feet right out of the gate on opening morning something of that nature six eight hundred um but it was a pull like i was i was struggling 
Yeah, it was definitely, you could definitely feel it. And it just, that's the crazy thing about Colorado. And Montana has its peaks, don't get me wrong, but Colorado just has one after another. After It just seems like it has a steady diet of some huge elevation stuff, you know, and it's just pretty, uh, man, it's crazy stuff. But I would totally agree. I was gassed. It was, you can go short distances, right? And your breath comes back pretty fast, but it's still like, man, it's, we're not in home anymore. We're definitely not home anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we're not in Oregon anymore. No, no, man. I can't see the ocean from where we're at. So um, let's kind of change gears here. I wanted I wanted to get uh, and talk a little bit about uh, just app, app stuff, some new stuff that mm-hmm. it's really cool. Uh, um, Dylan and I are really um, pretty close as far as not just friends, but in partnership-wise too with Onyx. And so it's, it's neat that every quarter or so, they're coming out. Andrew's coming, or are the team that Dylan's got together and coming out with new stuff, talking about new stuff and everything. Is there a bunch of stuff that you can talk about for one and for two, just maybe stuff that people, you know, it's been a while since the last time they hunted, right? It's been all spring and summer long. Is there some new stuff after last season that people can kind of glean off of and, and check out? Yeah, no, to your point, I mean, we're constantly, we're constantly updating things, whether it be like updating private and public land or game management unit changes, like that stuff just kind of happens on the back end now, but we've been really working on a lot of new features. Um, This year, like I said, I've been with Onyx eight years and some of these things that I can speak about, we'll we'll talk about some of it is still kind of hush hush for now, but in the past eight years, I have not seen this many new features, new cool things that I'm personally really excited about um, come out. So super exciting stuff coming down the pike this year. Um, One of them is 3D. So we've had 3D for quite a while in the computer version, the desktop for scouting. And like, it's really, it's useful there. We have 3D exaggeration. So in areas like in Eastern Montana or like a more relatively flat, even in the mountains, I use this, but you can extrapolate up the 3d and exaggerate it so we've all done it where you look at something in 3d and then you get there and you're like holy crap like that's way bigger that doesn't look at all like what i thought it did in 3d so uh, we have 3d exaggeration to really kind of fine-tune that and and be able to pick up that 3d all of that stuff is now in the phone so like the new 3d in the phone is honestly a game changer um and from when i when I get excited about these uh, new features and stuff, yes, it's partly because I work here and that means, you know, people are going to get excited and use it more and sell more, but like I am a hunter first. And so when I first saw the 3d, I was like, yes, I'm going to use the heck out of that this season. It is so, so useful um, right from your phone. So we had 3d in the past. It just was, it wasn't as useful and exciting as it is now. So, I don't know. Have you checked out the new 3D yet over over oh, yeah. yeah, 100%. And it's cool. I, I actually, so where I live is kind of even uh, kind of a big flat kind of ranch land. And there's there's mountains around my house. But um, it's pretty flat where I'm at with a river right beside me. So it was kind of cool just mm-hmm. to actually click on the river, right? And then just take it in 3D, move the screen and like, 
it's flat, but you can still see the contour of the river. You can see the gravel bars. You can see it was pretty rad. I mean, as far as like the 2D that you guys had, it wasn't much use for me. I didn't use it too much. It was just like it was, but this it will be something that definitely, definitely use a lot, lot more. That being said, is it just, um, isn't it just with service right now? You can't download that, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. So for now, for now, it is with service. That's a really good call out. Um, another new thing is with offline maps. So historically, and this isn't out yet, but but I can talk about it. Uh, historically, we'd give you three different options, and then within that, if you were downloading like a five mile map, that would be your most zoom, most detail when you when you zoom in tight. That's really good for areas you know for sure you're going to be at, but it takes up a lot of room on your phone and. It could get a little cumbersome downloading a lot of those like back to back to back maps. Um, so we'd have that map and then like a 10 mile map, which is a little bit bigger. You still get good enough imagery and detail. And then we'd have a 150, which is like obviously large area. But when you zoomed in real tight, you didn't get like, I'm not going to be able to glass that mule deer under that rock and then pick out the rock on aerial imagery type, type stuff. Um, now what we're going to have is and we're still in the, the final stages of designing and everything. But what it's going to look like is you'll be able to choose your size. So you can say, like, I want a really big area, but I want to download that in, like, fine detail or medium detail or, you know, low detail. So it's just going to save a lot of time. I'm probably just going to completely wipe out all my save maps and redo it with this version when it comes available because it's just going to be really? so much better. Yep. Okay. That's interesting. So... Yeah, so still keep your waypoints and stuff like that, but then you can wipe yep. out your maps and re re redo that. Yep, yeah, it's just going to be a lot better. Also, for me in the past, I mean, this sounds horrible because I I work here. I should have this stuff dialed, but I have so many save maps that I didn't name. So, like, I'll, I'll look through my save map li list and be like, man, where was that? And I'd have to tap on it, and then it would take me to Wyoming. It's like, I'm not hunting Wyoming this year. I don't need that. Um so there's, there's a lot of stuff you can do with organization, just similar to kind of your, your waypoints and things of that nature, where it is beneficial to take the extra two seconds and, you know, name it or put something of reference in there. And that's, that's what I haven't done as far as like categorize my stuff and foldered it and stuff like that. It, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, as you know me very well, I'm good at just marking a waypoint and being like, man, this looks good. Or I need to come back here. And then yep. <laughs> forgetting about what it was. Cause there's so many, like you yep. just said, I clicked on a ton of stuff. I'm getting, you know, cause I try to help out people when I can of areas that I've been to before, if they draw that same tag or whatever it may be. And so I'll send stuff to them and I'm like, why did I, why did I put this down? Why did I even make this waypoint? I know there's a reason because I definitely know I did it on purpose, but it's like, I, I need to work on that better. I think that's a great tip for people, like something that keys off of, of why you're doing it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I say that, and I am also guilty of it because again, I, I work here, but I'm like a hunter first and I use this tool in the, in the field constantly. And I've got 1,465 waypoints. <laughs> and a lot of those are like the same, man. And it's like, why, why did I put that here? What was I thinking at the moment? So one thing I always tell people, and in the moment, I get it, you're busy, you're marking a waypoint where you think that that bull is bedded, you just want to get after it. But if you literally take the extra, sometimes five seconds that it takes, or 15, 30 seconds, depending on what you're doing, and you 
name the waypoint, change the color. So for me, I have a color code now, like any yellow waypoint is something that I like. I either drove by on the interstate and looked up and like, wow, that's kind of a cool Canyon. Maybe I'll bear hunt that someday, like drop a quick waypoint. Those are all yellow for me. So yellow for me is stuff I've either e-scouted or, you know, got tips on. So if you're like, man, you should really go check out such and such drainage. I'll mark that waypoint yellow. And that tells me like, I have not been there. I have not boot checked it. I don't know if it's any good, but yellow is just like someday, maybe I'll go check this area out. Um, so there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Color coding, but you know, to your point, change the icon, put a name on it, put some notes in there. Like what were you thinking at the time? Um, you know, you can even add waypoints and do all sorts of stuff. But one of the things too, that is really helpful now is for folks like you and me that have, you know, over a, a ton of waypoints and they're not organized is now yeah. if you go on the computer, you can actually create folders. And then one really cool thing you can do on the computer is you can say, okay, I want to add everything that I see on my computer into that folder. So if it's like your, your bear hunting spot, um, you go into a folder, you type in, you know, Oregon bear spot one, and then you just orient the map. So everything you see is all of your content within that. And then you just add all of that gets sucked right into that folder. So there's quicker ways of doing it than like one at a time. Cause that would be, that would be like a month project. I don't think I would take that on. I see. I, and that's the whole thing with like Onyx alone. It's like, there's so many different things now. Like you said, at the first of this talk is there's coming out with stuff so fast. It's like, I'm, and I'm old school as well, obviously. And so it's just like, I'm still throwing the pin down right? I'm still doing the uh, waypoints and everything. And there's, there's so many different tools that you can use it for uh, the big one. And we, we talk about it in the Colorado series. We talked about it on, on just uh, private, uh, uh, Instagram stuff and everything. It's just like the, the circular thing, like the circular, um, how radius, three, point radius. three point radius. It's just like, so, so easy to do. It's like right at your fingertips, but it's like getting on there. And I would encourage anybody to start getting on their device and just messing with it and going through the new features and checking that stuff out because they're coming a lot faster than we have time to actually try them. Or I, I do, you know, as far as that goes, like I'm learning from you all the time. And maybe like you said before, you know, you work for the company and you're still learning things, you know? So it's, totally. it, it, it's definitely a learning process. What other tips and tactics do you do or, or is out there um, as far as managing? I think that's really, really good stuff, managing your waypoints and stuff, creating folders. Um, and so what you're doing is putting that information too on the computer, right? And like dumping it. How do you do that? Like when I save, cause I've got maps all over around here saved and I've got, you know, Colorado and Wyoming and stuff like that. How do you, when you get back from a hunt, do you like say, okay, I'm just going to, that, that doesn't need to be taken up or space on my phone. Do you drop that? I personally don't, I, you know, I could, and I probably should. What I'll do, it's really like a preseason thing. So like right now I'm shooting my bow. I'm making sure my new boots are nice. Like I'm, you know, I'm doing all sorts of preseason stuff to prep for upcoming season. One of that for me is going to be an afternoon or an evening where, you know, I've got a couple hours or even just 30 minutes at a time and chip away at it. And I'll go through all of my, my maps and make sure 
okay, if I'm not using these, like I'll still say the nice thing about the same maps is like the Colorado area, for example, I, I don't need that for this year, probably won't for a few more years, at least I can, I can keep those maps on my phone, but I can remove like the data from it. So you don't have to completely delete it. You can keep them on the back end to where if, if we drew Colorado again next year for that same area, I would just go to Colorado and, and reinstate those maps and hit download, 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 download. And then that those areas would re-download. So we have made it a little bit easier in that sense where you can uh, kind of keep the areas, but say, I don't need the entire state of Wyoming this year. I didn't draw that. I might as well save some room on my, my phone or, you know, utilize that space elsewhere. And so just going through there again, I typically do it. Like I'll do it within the next couple, couple of months, but it would be good, you know, right after the hunt to probably do it. It just depends too on your phone. If you've got a 200 some gigabyte phone and you have a hundred gigs not used, it really doesn't matter. It's, it's not going to hurt anything. It's not going to slow down the map. Um, all it does is impede some of your storage. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, as you know, I'm really, really good at managing all of that. I just had to dump a bunch of stuff <laughs> off my computer. Just like, I don't even, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm not very technical savvy, but it's, it's still simple stuff that I should need to know how to do. That's for sure. Is there anything else that, um, uh, things coming out? Do you have a few other tricks up the sleeve or? Yeah, there's, there's a couple more. One of them is it's a lot easier to show it than it is to talk about it, but um, I'll give a quick 10,000 foot view just so people know it exists and where to find it. So it's called terrain X. This is only on the desktop right now, only on the computer version. Um, and what a lot of people don't know is when you get the app, like you don't have to get anything separate for the computer. You just log in with the same stuff and all of the content that you created in the app is automatically on the computer and vice versa. So if you're e-scouting on the computer, all that data is right on your app, you know, when you're in the field. Um, but terrain X it's on the right hand side toward the top of, of the map on the computer. And what that will do is it will open up a new browser. And from here you can, you can filter by a few different things. So you could say, okay, I want to see that the area above 5,000 feet below 7,500 feet. And then it will just highlight and just show you that area on the map. Um, all this is in 3d. So you can still pan around the map in 3d. So you can filter by that. Um, by slope angle. So if you're looking for benches, you can really hone in on certain degree slope. Um, oh, and then also like, I want to see just Southeastern facing areas or just South or just North or whatever. So, you know, if you're, for example, like I want to e-scout my elk unit looking for North faces with benches between, you know, around 6,000 feet of elevation. So you have all of this map, everything is, is, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, you can throw on topo and try and read and, and figure that out. But to save a lot of time and energy, like you would just go, okay, from 5,500 to 6,500 feet, set that one. I want to, um, you know, see the benches. So from this degree to this degree and all north facing stuff, and it will literally just highlight those areas on the map. So that is pretty cool for e-scouting. And then one step further within that, we call it view shed. So when looking for glass and this would have been really helpful in Colorado last year, but um, when yes. looking for glassing points, you open up all those parameters. I mean, you can still say, I want to be see areas between five and 7,000 feet instead, all those. But then when you're in view shed, it will only show you those areas. 
So what I typically do is open up all of the parameters, go to view shed, and then anywhere that your mouse is on the map, it highlights what you can see from that location. So it, it uses topography and does just a lot of smart stuff that is way over my head. Um, but it will highlight areas that you can see from that. So if you're like, man, if I hike 1500 feet out of the gate to get up there and my goal is to glass the head end of this basin, you can use that tool, highlight, you know, where you plan on glassing from and it will show you yes or no, you can or can't see that basin. Dude, that, you were showing me that in the last, in that, in that last couple of meetings, it could have helped on a lot of hunts, like, uh, especially in the rifle realm, as far as mm -hmm. uh, certain, certain spots to what you can see. It definitely, it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting spots. And from that, and another kind of nice, additional feature within that is it shows as diff it's almost like a bullseye and then it shows you different um distances from that area so it helps you get a good vantage point too of like okay yeah i can see that but it's at a mile and a half so i'm not going to be in a position to move or i better bring my spotting scope if i want to glass the head end of that basin um because it just kind of gives you that gradual here's the distances so for shooting shooting locations glassing locations that's uh new and pretty cool and then the other one again there's a few more but the other one i want to uh, talk about real quick is the new compass mode this is in the app um we have some new exciting stuff coming to follow this but if you go into the app and then in the bottom right hand corner you you tap on the uh my location icon then there's a compass that shows up uh right above the base map button if you tap on that it puts your phone into what we are calling compass mode um as you turn your phone you can see a heading with a bearing and degree up at the top there uh we again show you kind of rough distances all the way throughout and then you can tap on the waypoint icon on the right hand side that appears and type in the exact yardage so for your buck last year in colorado we could have typed in the exact yardage and then orient your phone in the direction make sure it's lined up good drop a waypoint so that's step one Step two, we're working with uh, potentially a few different folks to be able to make that process a little bit easier is all I'll say. And two, like finding your way back to camp easier. Yep. Once you get a head bearing on that, all that kind of stuff will, will coincide with that as well. Won't it? Yep. Yep. Totally. I mean, there's a lot of uses like for me, I'm like, man, I'm going to use this a lot for if I glass a bear from across the drainage and I'm going to drop in and lose lose a bunch of elevation and I'm not going to visually see it till I get over there. Like, again, it's, it's so crucial to take that extra second and do things properly before you leave. Cause it's easy to be like, yep, there's that bear. I'll be able to find it when I get over there. Then you get over yeah. there and it's like, I don't know if I'm 400 yards away from it or 40, like it yeah. just doesn't make sense. So it's like taking that extra second, you know, ranging it, is it, you know, if it's 1243 yards across the Canyon, line this tool up and type in 1243 mark a waypoint so you know like you might be you know a, a touch off but you're going to have a really good idea where that bear is or whatever it is so when you get over there you're kind of hunting the waypoint at this point and not like man where am i at am i below that above that park below that park like you know just if you take an extra few seconds and and just like look at the map before you drop into a drainage it it helps a ton yeah, no, especially it rings true for over here. Such 
thick, thick country, you know, if you can pinpoint it and walk right to it. It's you, a lot of times you get over there and you're like, it's not supposed to look like this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and two, uh, elk bugles, like one thing I'll do with, uh, Zach quite a bit is like, if we get a response, whether it's at night or just, if we get a response, a lot of times like we'll both just automatically pull out our app, look at the terrain and be like, okay, is it morning? Is it evening? Where could that elk be? Obviously, you kind of have a general rule of thumb of like, oh, he's like down in this area. But if you just pull out the map and look at topography and imagery, based on the time of day, like, are they out feeding? Are they transitioning from feeding to bed? Okay, well, that bull bugle down there, and there's a really good like uh, knob with some really green timber, and it's midday. That bull's probably bedded right on that knob. So, like, doing that and then comparing it. So, like, we'll both look at it and be like, I think that bull bugle from right here. And then compare it and in a perfect world you guys are both on the same page and it's like sweet let's go down there and kill him if we're not on the same page then we at least have a discussion of like here's why i think those elk are right here and he'll be like here's why i think they're right here and it might be like okay yeah no that makes more sense actually like let's hunt it like that yeah and then let's look at the okay what's wind doing now and what's all these different things that come into play once yep. you finally pinpoint what time of day it is all those things come into play but if you have that roster and you're checking things off of that playbook it definitely oh it, it helps so much just another location mm -hmm. is huge it can be huge so no is there anything else buddy anything anything else cool and new and exciting that you can actually talk about because i know there's things that you're thinking of they're like i can't really speak of those yet which is which is the cool uh the cool thing about onyx as far as always you guys are always innovating and working on something yeah no i think for the most part like did a pretty good cover of of all of the things coming out most of that stuff, you know, we're going to be releasing to the public with like announcements and education type videos here in the next month or so. Um, so stay tuned. Things might look slightly different at that point in time. Um, the other thing too, to note is like that terrain X, for example, like we, we have really cool visions of where that's going to be down the road year or two or three or four out. But at this point it's a usable tool. We're getting it out there. We always like feedback, like, email our customer support and say, Hey, I, I like this tool, but I wish it did this or email and say, Hey, I would really love my, my maps to do that. Um, we really do listen to that feedback because I can say what I want. You can say what you want, but at the end of the day, there's a whole bunch of other customers out there all across the country and now into Canada. That's like, that, that's not helpful for me. This what, this yeah. what would be. And so we, we do really listen to, uh, to feedback. I think that's great. I think that's great yeah no all right uh buddy i appreciate the time as always we were talking just before we started this podcast guys and we're talking about the next on export and race collaboration and what that's going to look like and where it's at and and what are we what are we chasing at the time and so anyway it's it's definitely in the works guys so get ready for that down the road but uh man i just i appreciate it dylan as always and um i, I thank you for sponsoring this podcast too awesome no it's uh it's our pleasure and like i said it's it's pretty cool when you can have a professional relationship with with someone or a group of, of folks and and also have that personal relationship as well so you guys make it super easy um i can't wait until we can share camp again <laughs> let's do it let's do it all right buddy well thank you guys for listening to this one and uh, we'll see you on the next one